This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. Today is episode 37, and our guest today is David Hafner. So David goes by Farmer Adventures on Instagram and Facebook, and he's all about kind of promoting agriculture and spreading his knowledge bases, which is really cool. He's going to talk to us today about agritourism, what he's seen on numerous agritourism visits, what he's doing here in Florida, kind of his experience, what it was like working with the Young Farmers and Ranchers program. So David's got a lot of really cool stuff he's going to talk to us about. And also, don't forget, today is December 3rd, so we are doing the giveaway for the Amazon gift card. We have a winner. And the winner is, if I had drums, I would like to do a drum roll, but I don't have drums. So the winner is Mitchell Singleton. Congratulations, man. We will be in touch with you. We're going to send you a $50 Amazon gift cards for the holidays. Hope you enjoy it. Again, the winner is Mitchell. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks for listening. Thank you to everybody that was sharing and commenting and leaving reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out a ton. The more likes and reviews we get on iTunes, the higher we show up in search results. So that's why we need all the likes and all the reviews. So thank you so much. Anyway, this is episode 37 with David Hafner. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. David Hafner, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for being on the podcast. It it seems like you've got a very diverse kind of agriculture background. You are around agriculture 24-7, it seems like. So tell us a little bit about kind of your your background with, that, with agriculture and what you're up to now. Oh, sure. Uh, so I uh, I got started in agriculture with my grandparents. Uh, they had an equine facility in uh, South Florida. And uh, so I grew up in a barn with horses. And uh, it wasn't until I was in my uh, late 20s I really started diversifying into other types of agriculture. Um, you know, now I own my own small farm in South Florida where we have uh, cows and pigs and goats and chickens uh, and still into horses as well. 
Um, and I, I think the, uh, the, the bridge between the two was my time in the 4-H when I was in high school. Well, cool. Yeah. What all did you do in 4-H? I was an FFA kid growing up. So what was the 4-H aspect like? Uh, so in 4-H, you know, growing up as, a, as an equestrian, I joined an, an equine club. And uh, so I was on the equine judging team, as well as uh, just doing the regular 4-H things, community service and um, things like that. Uh, it was at the, the Martin County Fair, our local county fair, uh, where I started seeing all the other aspects of 4-H. And um, that's kind of what got me started. And then having other friends uh, that, were, that were doing both the equestrian and livestock kind of bridged that for me um, and really got me into the livestock. That's really cool. I like to hear that. Uh, so I look, you told me, and I kind of noticed this a few years ago, I think when you were in the program, but you were part of the Florida Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers program. So the YFNR, what was that yes, program like? Uh, that was an incredible program. Uh, yeah, I, I was in the, the class from 2016 to 2018. And so for two years, every, every two to three months, we'd get together uh, different uh there was, uh, I think, 16 of us from across the state. We'd get together and uh, different uh, different activities, different trainings. Um, there was a lot of opportunities to uh, to meet key people throughout Florida agriculture. We got to meet with a commissioner at the uh, time, Commissioner Adam Putnam, uh, Florida Commissioner of Agriculture. We met him a couple times. Um, you know, the uh, Florida, the they really got us comfortable meeting with our legislators. Uh, we got to go to Tallahassee. We got to go to Washington, D.C. and meet with our representatives there. Uh, so it was really um, teaching us about Florida agriculture and really uh, giving us um, experience in, in how to be a good advocate for agriculture. Yeah, I'm learning more and more as we interview people or, or farmers and ranchers. It's all about advocacy. And I'm not very much involved in politics. So what was that like kind of talking with local politicians and state politicians about kind of what Florida agriculture is going through and what they can do. So what was that kind of like talking to those politicians? Yeah, you know, when we first started, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have the mindset that these politicians are, you know, it's gotten to be where they're kind of rock stars nowadays. And so you're looking up to them like, wow, they're so powerful. And so in the beginning, you know, it was really intimidating. Uh, by the time the two years was over, you know, I'm, I'm, I've made friends with several of these representatives and I found out they're, they're people like us and, you know, they do have a lot of responsibilities and that's something to uh, give them credit for. But at the end of the day, they're, they're just citizens like us have taken, taken that extra step to represent their, their community. So um, it really, it really brought into perspective that, that, yeah, you know, they're, they're just people like us and they're, they're do a job and, uh, it made me really comfortable to just go to them and talk to them about the things I need and that things that the agriculture community needs and uh, help me really understand that that's what they want. They want to hear from us because if we don't tell them what we're looking for, uh, they won't be able to represent us. Well, there you go. It's all about building relationships. That's really cool. And yeah, it's kind of funny. We always kind of think of politicians as a pedestal above us, above us but they kind of put their pants on one leg at a time, just like us. So that's really cool. Right. So you were also the Florida Farm Bureau, um, volunteer communicator of the year in, in 2018. So how did you get that? And what was it like kind of receiving that award? Uh, you know, that, that was, that was very, um, I was very honored to receive that award. Uh, you know, I, I worked really hard uh, advocating for agriculture. I, 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 I stepped outside my comfort zone and I got to meet and get to know key people around the state and, and you know, and just, and, um, 
really took the time to not only learn about them, but then tell them, hey, you should meet this person. And I was uh, introducing people to each other and really just trying to bridge all those divides. And not only just in agriculture, um, you know, my county, I feel is divided. We, uh, we have the agriculture side and then we have the city side or the coastal side. And so I took the steps to really reach out to the other side that doesn't really know about agriculture and try to help explain to them you know, what we're doing on the agriculture side. And so um, I just did a lot of reaching out. And um, so I was, uh, I was very honored to receive that award at the end of the year after all those efforts. That's cool. It's, it's kind of cool to see the, the fruits of your labor kind of occur with all your hard work and kind of getting, getting that award. That's really neat. So, so tell, us, tell me a little bit about your production. You've got a little 15-acre farm in Indian, in, Indiana, in Indian town. Tell me about that, kind of how you got started with it and kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, we yeah we we have 15 acres. Our our farm is called H6 Livestock. Um, yeah, we have uh, we have beef cattle. Uh, we our our breed is mostly the Brayfords. So we got a Brahma bull and some Hereford cows, and we got a couple other mixed ones in there. But um, we uh, that's our favorite. We love our cows. Uh, you know, outside of our dining room, that's where we can see our pasture, and uh, you know it's. It's just, I'm looking at them right now as I talk to you. I just love love our cows. Uh, we take uh, incredible care of them as as best as we can. Uh, ultimately, their their end use is uh, for consumption. They will be uh, sold to the livestock market, so they will be eaten. Uh, but we give them the best care we can while we have them. Um, in addition, uh, my oldest son Tucker is eight years old, and uh, two years ago he wanted to start his own business, and we went up to North Florida and purchased a set of uh, boar goats for him, some meat goats, and uh, so that's his business. He's got a male and uh, about five or six females that he's uh, raising up right now, and uh, they're starting to have babies, so he's starting to expand his herd. And uh, my second son Sawyer, he loves pigs, and so he has some pigs that he's raising up. Um, and uh, that's, that's his passion. So he's just got that started not too long ago. So he's got one male and one female and we're working him up to, to do that. And uh, who knows what's to come because I still have two more sons. I got Easton that's, uh, he's three, three years old and I have Clayton that's two years old. So they're not quite ready to jump in anything yet, but um, they are, I know they're gonna be short behind that. They're gonna wanna have their own animals too. Um, and then we have, um, we have poultry that I've been uh, kind of starting my own breed. Um, uh, I call them the H6 game fowl. Um, they're a mix between the, um, the American game fowl and the speckled Sussex. So uh, they lay a nice brown egg, uh, but they're basically uh, free range chickens. I don't lock them up. Uh, they like to stay up in trees at night and they lay pretty nice brown eggs. So uh, they've been kind of fun uh, seeing more and more of my own chickens running around my yard uh, that, you know, they, they look like nothing else that, that uh, that's uh, commercially available. That's really neat. So we haven't interviewed anybody about chicken production yet. So I'm always trying to learn more and more about it because it's something I'm very rusty on and don't know a whole lot of. So you said free range. So basically they walk around wherever, do whatever they want. They're kind of outside instead of being in a barn. So kind of tell us about a little bit more about your, your chicken production, like kind of how you learned that and kind of what's going on now. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I started because where we're at, you know, like I said before, we're 
we're in an area where there's uh, the city is not that far away or the the urban life or um so there's a lot of people that have uh, small ranchettes and and they want to have chickens but they don't necessarily want to take the six months to raise them before they start laying eggs so i started by just raising chickens to sell to the local people um you know, it was pretty lucrative. I could raise a chicken and, and double my money on what it costs to raise it and sell it to, to the local people. Um, and then at one point, I kind of just stopped selling them and kind of held on to some. And, you know, my kids started showing at the fair. So I held on to some for them. And, um, you know, I have a really great dog, uh, Annabelle, and she's an, she's an Irish setter. And she has protected our, our home. Uh, we've been here uh, nine years, and she has been a great protector. And I've never lost any animals to predators and so because of her I'm able to let my chickens be free and it just kind of it kind of grew into just they started breeding and and these certain breeds um you know really uh, the Sus the Sussex and the game fowl really uh took off and they started you know chicken little chickies everywhere and uh so it really just it, it kind of just happened well, there you go. That does sound really cool. I've all, whenever my wife and I kind of move and get a bigger house with, with some bigger land, I definitely want to get a chicken coop and kind of try our hand at raising some chickens, getting some eggs. So that'll be really neat. Uh, yeah, what all, I, I really want, oh, I'm sorry. I, I really want to take another step. I, I really want to get into actual production. Uh, I'd love to raise meat birds, um, you know, uh, broilers, as well as uh, get into having a barn for eggs. Um, there's a there's a farm over in Sarasota called Grove Ladder Farm, and they've been an inspiration for me. They start off with 10 acres, and they um, they basically have uh, these chicken tractors, and they just move the chickens throughout their 10 acres in, in small increments every few days. And so the chickens are eating that grass, but they're also fertilizing it. So then he moves it and lets that grass grow back up, and he just does a rotation, and he's done incredibly well over in Sarasota and uh, selling in farmers markets over there and in Englewood. And uh, so he's been an inspiration for me. So uh, I definitely want to take it to the next level. Well, cool. Well, I hope that works out. So you said you have your own little breed of chickens. Would you have to use them to, for broilers or would you have to get a new um, kind of variety for that? Uh, for broilers, I would get a different variety. Uh, so broilers, uh, I've, I used to work in a, in a feed supply uh, location, and so I got to know uh, quite a bit about chickens, uh, working there and ordering chickens for people. And uh, they actually have specific breeds that are really, uh, they're really bred for, uh, for production of meat. Uh, they're, uh, the Cornish Rock Cross uh, is designed that they are, are at, uh, you know, full size, you know, five, six pound chicken at uh, just shy of two months old. Uh, so they really eliminate or it really reduces the inputs into that chicken to get a full size, uh, full size meal out of. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's something I kind of learned a few years ago. I saw this, um, this commercial, I think it was actually for Chipotle, you know, the, the very famous brand that's always kind of a little bit kind of digging at agriculture and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And they had yes. some video where they were showing about chickens getting injected with quote unquote growth hormones to help them grow really big. But of course you and I know that that doesn't happen. No. I, I had some professor that said um, just to give chickens in the U S a growth hormone shot would be, a, would take about nine years just for right now. So that's very interesting. And um, that, have, have, are there any like misinformation or, or are there a lot of common misconceptions that you see a lot? I mean, you're, you're an avid producer. You're out there talking with um, politicians and a bunch of people. So what are some common misconceptions that you see out there? 
Uh, well, uh, right off the bat, you, you brought to mind uh, something a friend of mine just shared uh, just yesterday uh, about about the chicken barns and how the chickens are so cramped. And um, so they, they took a picture of these chickens all piled on top of each other. And that would be the, the picture that would be depicted in your news. And then they stepped back and took a picture of the whole chicken barn and the chickens were all piled up on each other because chickens like to be together and they had access to the entire barn and three quarters of the barn was just empty because they all were just sitting on each other um, so you know animals are they like to be together uh, same thing with cattle um, you know I, you'll see in a dairy where oh these poor cows you know it's so hot in these barns and yeah, I got great friends in the next county over at Rux Dairy and and I was visiting them with my family and it was hot and we were inside one of their parlors and it was so cool in there because of the fans they have going it, those cows were so comfortable and you know th there's a lot of practices that that might not seem like like the farmers really caring like oh they basically have nothing in there uh, but if, if the people would actually just take the time to to get to know their farmers and and reach out to their agricultural organizations and get them connected with farmers uh, there's a lot of them out there that would love to talk and and teach that these practices are really there to make the animals comfortable because when the co animals are comfortable that's when they are really uh, producing their best and and giving the farmer the, the best outcome that's a great point happy livestock are going to produce i mean that's a fact and all livestock farmers know that and i love seeing dairy farmers on instagram kind of share stories about oh uh, consumers are confused and they're hating they think it's bad that these cows are sitting down laying down they think that they're confined in these barns well the 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 farmers will show that the gate is open for them to go out in the field but these cows are tired and they're sleepy and they want to lay down i think that's a very good a very popular issue where consumers see that and they don't really do a lot of research and they're just like oh well these farmers are hurting the animals so that's a very good point that sure. the 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 that the farmers are doing what they can and know how to make the livestock happy so those are all very good points Right. Yeah, I think a lot of the, the issues that have come up, obviously, there, there's, you can't say every farmer is going to be good. There, there is going to be every once in a while, there's going to be, you know, somebody that's not doing the best that they can. And, but a lot of times what you see is not necessarily it's the farmer, it's, the, it's a breakdown in management. And then you have you know, people under the farmer. Unfortunately, some of these operations, it's, it's hard to manage everybody, just like any, any business, if it gets big enough, it's hard to, to manage everybody. So Unfortunately, you're going to see sometimes there's going to be a breakdown in management, but hopefully those farmers, when that does happen, they pick that up and, and rectify it quickly because there's no excuse for mismanaging your animals. I, I couldn't ever imagine doing that. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. Um, so kind of moving on, do you have any tips, for whether it's for farmers or whether it's for consumers that are, that are interested in agriculture? What are some of your tips for what people can do to advocate for agriculture? There's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of really good information that kind of needs to make its way out to consumers. So what are some tips for advocating for agriculture that you have? I've been very lucky to, to be thrown into some or to apply for some organizations that have really given me a head start. Uh, but I think that's that's the thing is just getting out there and asking questions. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I grew up in equestrian. I didn't know anything about any of this other stuff. And there's still so much more I learn every day because I'm not afraid to see something and ask, hey, how, how do you do that? Or why do you do that? So just just being able to learn and then. So and you get your facts or you get your information from the farmers, but then research it and research it on some reputable sources. Um, you know, and you'll find out just across the state of Florida, the, the way that something is produced 
in one part of Florida is completely different from another part of Florida. It doesn't make it wrong. It's just a different environment. So then being able to then take that information and, and discern that it's just a different practice, but yes, this is the true way. So it does take some work, but just be, just start by asking the questions. That's a really good point. Kind of know the question to ask, do some research and, and always be wary of where you get for your information from. If it's not from like an educational website, like a, like a University of Florida Extension yeah. website or something like sure. that. Um, yeah, USDA or FDA, you know, Florida Department of Agriculture, they got some great resources out there. Yeah, exactly. Totally true. Uh, so you do a lot of agritourism, you, where you kind of, which I think is so cool, and a lot of people don't really know that agritourism exists, where basically you go to a farm and you see what's happening on that farm. So what are some really good agritourism visits that you've had and some examples of farms that you've been to, to that have had those kind of agritourism opportunities? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoy agritourism. I, I have actually volunteered. Our county got a grant to start an agritourism website through our, uh, the Martin County tourism. And so I volunteered to manage the Facebook page just cause I was so uh, interested in it. And so, you know, we have some great operations right here in my County. Uh, Kai Kai farm does a lot of farm to table events. So they grow their own food and then they have these uh, high profile chefs from Palm beach come up to their farm and, and, cook the food that they grow uh, so that's a really great opportunity to bring people uh, you know from that outside of agriculture to come and learn about their farm because it's part of their their operation they before dinner they'll take them on a tour and show them where their food came from um, in claremont or in a, the claremont apopka area uh, good friends of mine the hills they have uh, they have a blueberry farm up there, uh, Southern Hill Farm, and so they do agritourism. They have, uh, they just got done doing their fall fest in the spring when their blueberries are blooming or, you know, they're coming to, to fruit. Uh, they have people that can go do the U-Pick. Uh, they have this huge uh, implement that has been converted with a deck on top that people can take rides on. Um, they have a, a playground, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a real fun activity that my kids really enjoyed. We're looking forward to going to again this year. Yeah, in in dairy tours, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, Milking R, I, I'm a big fan of theirs. Uh, they just started up uh, getting into to agritourism. So they take people on a tour of their farm and show all the best management dairy practices that they're implementing. And they have now have their own ice cream that they're, they're making from their own milk. Um, so it gives people a chance to, to see where the, where the milk's coming from and then taste the end result. Um, so that really a, a great agritourism operation is going to highlight the agricultural practices and then show the end result, in my opinion. There you go. Yeah, that's really smart. I haven't been on a tour in a while, but I think one of the last big ones I went on was uh, Deseret Ranch in South Florida. And that was so cool to kind of see that it's actually one of the larger beef operations in the country, which I, you would never think of that being in Florida. Yeah. But it was really cool to kind of see what they have going on, what their structure's like, what the cows are like. So I think agritourism is a great way that kind of consumers can kind of learn what's going on in the farm and all that good stuff. So that's really cool. Um, For sure, yeah. People are, in, are, are seeking that, that simpler life or, you know, or, or those uh, there's opportunities to get outside and just unplug and agritourism really gives people that opportunity. Oh yeah, exactly. It's, it's a good way you can kind of connect with nature, which a lot of people are trying to get more connected with nature. So that's a really good point. Um, so you're also part of the, the Martin County Cattlemen's Association. So what's the Cattlemen's Association all about? Yeah, I, I've been really impressed with watching the Florida Cattlemen's Association over the last couple of years. Um, 
President John was uh, John's was the president two years ago, and then uh, this year is is uh, President Matt Pierce. And watching their advocacy has really inspired me. Uh, they're they're going out there. They're showing people how cattlemen and their ranches are really uh, protecting the environment. They are freshwater catches, and then they recharge the aquifers, they clean the water through their marshes. Uh, they, uh, they, there are so many endangered species that live on ranches. Uh, I, I have a story I like to tell. I, was, I like to go to SeaWorld with my kids, and they had a caracara, which is an endangered species of a bird. And at, at, they're giving this talk about this caracara, and I said, oh, I see those all the time. And the guy at SeaWorld says, no way. These are so rare. I said, yeah, well, where I live, they're, they're, there's a lot of cattle ranches, and they're, uh, they're giving them a great habitat. Um, and so our, our uh, cattlemen have really done a great job of you know, taking pictures of, of their surroundings and showing what they're doing uh, to not only raise uh, this beef for, for our country, but also protect our environment and uh, so we do have a cattlemen's association here in Martin County and I'm actually really excited because it's kind of been dormant for a little while but tomorrow night we're having a meeting to really get it going again so I'm pretty excited about that. Well shoot well I hope it goes really well that's really neat I've had a lot of people kind of involved in cattlemen's association growing up so it's really cool to kind of hear all the cool things that they are doing so that's really good to hear. So what are your thoughts right now on the farmer consumer relationship? I like to ask everybody this question and I think you're in a very unique spot because you're all about kind of advocating for agriculture and kind of communicating with consumers what's going on. So what are your thoughts right now on the farmer consumer relationship? I think it's a, it's a tricky relationship. Uh, you know, social media has become such a huge thing. And so it's easy for one person to have a loud voice, but I try to remind people that one loud voice isn't always the majority. You know, there's plenty of people that are, are sitting and watching the comments, but not actually saying anything. So I try to, I, I think that, you know, I think we have the, the best, safest food source in, our, in our, our American growers that more so than the rest of the world. And I think that we're very fortunate that way. I think it provides uh, national security for our country, not having to rely on other countries. And I, I, in, in my area, I'm seeing more of an understanding, I think, between the consumers and the producers. Uh, we actually have a celebration next week. Uh, Farm City Week is next week, and that, that actually is just for that. It's to celebrate that symbiotic relationship between the producers and the consumers. And uh, so we have an event planned where um, I'm, I'm the vice president of the Martin County Farm Bureau, and we have an event. Uh, we we, we uh, coordinate with um, leaders in our community, and we all get together, and we have uh, a discussion about what the uh, – what we need to do to further build these relationships. Hey, well, there you go. And I'm definitely finding that more and more farmers are going to social media because they're realizing that that's where consumers are so they can get their message out there very simply. It's, it's a very effective tool, but it's also sometimes a negative tool if you don't use it in the right light or if you're uneducated or if you sure. just want to spout misinformation out there. So that's all really good points. Um, yeah. It's easy to get sucked into those traps too you get people on there that, uh, that that's all they're going to do is talk negative they don't have necessarily facts to back it up but they're just going to start poking at you and if, if you don't handle them correctly uh, you can really spin yourself into a bad spot oh yeah ex ex exactly they just want to kind of spread um, they just want to spread a fire they just want to get people riled up and argue for no reason that's kind of what they exactly. want to do so that's a really good point um so do you have any future goals for your farm do you have you want to you said you want to have broiler chickens down the road or something like that so 
what do you sure. long term? What are your goals for your your for your farm? Uh, long term. Uh, so uh, uh, earlier, I introduced my farm as H six livestock. Uh, the full name of my farm, the registered name, is H six livestock and produce. Um, I would love to get into having uh, fruit trees, um, you know, and, and things that you know we can grow here on our farm. Uh, we have a great piece of property, and uh, it's high and dry. It's actually one of the original pieces. Our neighborhood's called uh, to Tommy Clements, and uh, Tommy Clements used to own my property. So, um, you know, I would love to get into that more. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on with uh, trade right now that are kind of uh, keeping me at bay with that. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, the USMCA, the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement that's that's trying to final up, finalize right now. And uh, in that, we, we really need some more protection for our Florida farmers. Uh, there's a lot of... Um, I don't know. I don't really like the word use, use the word dumping, but it's accurate. Uh, we have a lot of uh, dumping coming from Mexico where their products are coming over to Florida at the same time that our producers are making the exact same. And, uh, uh, you know, like I said earlier, Florida or sorry, the United States has, you know, some of the, the safest, uh, best food in the, in the world. And we we're very regulated uh, where other countries like Mexico don't necessarily have those same regulations. Um, so it, it really scares me to, to branch into that knowing uh, that what I'm going to be trying to sell my 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 produce is the same time that other products will be coming in, and I might not be able to 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 you know make the make the the profit I need to to make it worth it. Yeah, and we've heard that before on some guests that have talked about the dumping from Mexico because, like you said, their food doesn't go through the same inspection process that we do. So it might be cheaper for consumers, but it's not super duper healthy. So that's a sure. huge issue. Have you experienced anything with advocating with um, politicians? Have you experienced anything that they're trying to do to kind of alleviate that? Yeah, um, actually, um, and I don't have it off the top of my head, but um, I believe, uh, I know there is a, I, I believe it's, uh, Representative Vern Buchanan uh, in the Florida, um, he, he represents Florida in the in Congress, and he has a bill, um, and and there actually is a Senate version. Uh, Senator Marco Rubio has a version, and together um, they are they would basically protect the seasonality of the Florida producers, uh, and that we were uh, I've actually reached out to my my. Uh, representatives asking them to consider passing their bills ahead of USMCA, um, which would then add that protection for our Florida producers. But there is definitely legislation out there if we can get that uh, put through. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, it's all about kind of spreading awareness and working with politicians and kind of helping them do what they can to make sure that like things like dumping from Mexico don't happen and Florida agriculture is kind of front and center. So you kind of mentioned it a little bit before, but tell me a little bit about, about how diverse you've seen Florida agriculture. You said you've done a lot of agritourism. So, the, I mean, I know in Florida there are things like dairy farms. Of course, you've got oranges. You've got peanut farms up here in North Florida. Mm -hmm. So how diverse have you seen the, the um, state of Florida in terms of agriculture commodities? Yeah, Florida has over 300 uh, commodities. Uh, that's the most in any state. Um, I believe, I, I know uh, California has quite a few, and I, I believe Florida has the most commodities. And, um, you know, just, I, I always in, enjoy looking at the soil when I drive through the rural parts of the, of the state. Uh, you go down south, uh, south of Lake Okeechobee, and, and that is just dark brown. Um, it is so rich, and they grow, you know, uh, you know during the winter, they're, they're, 
growing our nation's vegetables along with sugarcane. And, uh, and you know, you travel up further north and, you know, the, the soil is, more, is better, like you said, for peanuts. And uh, we've got watermelons and, uh, and then, you know, uh, beef right up the middle of the state is, is so much uh, beef being grown and raised there. And uh, we got, the, of course, we're surrounded by water. So our aquaculture in Florida is, is ridiculous. And, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. Even the citrus, I am I, hopeful and it's looking like it might be coming back. There's, there's some great studies out there. Um, I know there's a grower in Indian River County that just spent a, a lot of money to bring back um, some new varieties of grapefruit, but Indian River was well known for their grapefruit and he's reinvested in that and hoping in three years to have, uh, you know, start having some Indian River grapefruit again. Um, so, you know, Florida, it really is special. I mean, we even have, you know, people don't think we have cotton. You know, that, that's something that you don't think about in Florida, but you know, we have cotton growing here. So um, yeah, it's a really special place. I, I actually was in uh, Reno, Nevada in 2018. Um, and I was there for uh, the American Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Leadership Conference. And I, I was in my Florida Farm Bureau shirt and uh, I never adjusted to their time. And I was sitting I was sitting in the lobby and I was just reading a, a, the newspaper and drinking some coffee. And um, I think it was like three o'clock their time. And it was a, there was also a casino at this hotel. So there's a lot of people walking around and people would actually stop and, and see that I, I was with a, a Florida, uh, Florida farm bureau. They would actually stop and say, thank you for our food. Cause uh, as much as people in Florida, we're, we, we have it, we're, we're so lucky to have it here. Uh, we might take it for granted, but other, other states, they know that during those winter months, I think it was February, during those winter months, they, they don't have a way of growing their own food. It's too cold there. So uh, that, was, that, was a, that was very incredible to me that, that they would stop and just say thank you like that. Yeah, that's very neat. That's kind of cool that they went out of their way to kind of thank you for that Florida is producing all that food and all that produce around the, around the year. Cause our climate is so interesting. And yeah, growing mm -hmm. up in Northwest Florida, um, cotton was very typical for like anytime we would go somewhere, I would just see cotton or peanuts. And so I thought that was normal, but the older I got, I could, could kind of see that Florida is extremely diverse and they have oranges down South and cows and dairies mm -hmm. and all this stuff and sugar cane. So it's really cool that Florida is such a diverse state in terms of agriculture. Oh yeah. Um, well, David, this has been really cool um, learning about what all you do and what all you've done and kind of how you have seen Florida agriculture and how you've promoted Florida agriculture. If people want to follow you, if they want to see what you're doing, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, I do a lot of, of my, my advocating through Facebook or Instagram. Uh, those are my two main ones on Instagram. It's uh, farmer underscore adventures. Uh, Facebook, you just got to look me up. It's uh, David Hafner, just my name, obviously. Um, you can also uh, find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to do more with that. That's uh, David Hafner, uh, David Hafner H, sorry, David Hafner X6 uh, for the, uh, for the six members of my family. Nice. Well, perfect. All right. Well, we'll, we'll be sure to send our people your way and they can check you out on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and uh, that's how, I think that's how we found you. We were kind of scouring and we found you on, um, on Instagram and all that. So yeah, that's how I found you too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, perfect. Well, perfect. Well, David, thanks, man. We wish you the best of, the, of luck. We'll have to have you on in a few months or a few years, whenever you can upscale your production. I hope it goes well. Um, thanks for being on man. And we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. I'd love that. Thank you very much. Absolutely.
Hope you enjoyed today's episode with David. A lot of really cool stuff he was talking about with agritourism and what he's planning to do on his farm. A lot of really cool stuff. Again, thanks so much for everybody for listening. We hope you have a great Christmas coming up in a few weeks. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you're full from, um, you know, all the turkey you had. And also, fun fact, didn't know if you know this or not, but Willie Jackson, who we had on last week with Butterball, his turkeys were actually the ones that were pardoned by Trump. You know, like the normal turkeys that get pardoned every Thanksgiving. So pretty cool. Fun fact. So next time, you know, you see somebody, hey, that Farm Traveler podcast, talk to the guy that had his turkeys pardoned by Trump. Kind of cool. Anyway, thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.